This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by popular demand by the Sparkle Troll t-shirt. Bert, people want Sparkle Troll t-shirts. <laughs> of course they do, now that now that, that campaign is over, right? Well, the campaign is over, but uh, our provider for the t-shirts is able to produce them on a on-demand basis. They're two bucks more expensive but they are available on demand. So you can easily pick up your Sparkle Troll t-shirt quickly, easily, and shipped directly to your door. Go to nerdcognito.com and click on the link on the page for the Sparkle Troll t-shirts. It's really easy, clean, right in your face, and I guess, you know, it just took some time for people to see them. I, I think that's really what it was. People wanted to see the genuine article, and they've been popping up on streams everywhere. Shout out to Randy at Biggest Geekus. Shout out to our good friend Raven Wolfgar. Hey, even Grim. Did you see that Grim did a little pseudo promotional video for us on TikTok? I did not. I'll have to send it to you afterwards. It's hilarious. <laughs> so um, check it out. Sparkle Troll t-shirts available at nerdcognito.com. Also, while you're there, check out our sponsors. And then for God's sake, if you're going to buy something, click on our link so that we can get a couple of quarters to your dollars. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. But you asked, we brought it back on demand at nerdcognito.com. Now, on with the show. Yes, indeed. Hey, hey, hey. My name is Ryan David. Thanks for tuning in, and you're listening to yet another episode of Nerd Cognito. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going this week? Uh, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Uh, you heard at the top of the show, there's people clamoring for a Sparkle Troll t-shirt, so uh, we made them available. Um, did some work, did some, like, real work, worked around <laughs> the house, worked around the office, worked around the computer, worked around auras. It was a busy week for me, my friend. How was your week? Eh, not too bad. It was pretty slow. I didn't get a lot accomplished this week. Well, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I was thinking, you know, as the weekend approaches, we have gaming coming up, and we don't really have anything lined up set in stone. Maybe we should hiatus gaming and just have a night out as guys. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know that you'd get some of the guys at our table like to go out to an event. Uh, you know, Dan doesn't seem like much of a social butterfly. No, he's not a, a big social butterfly, but he has been our friend for going on 30 years oh, now. So Yeah, no, he's a good friend, but he's not, <laughs> you know, he's not a you know, big event guy. I can get him to go to certain places for dinner. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's I, I, a thing. I know what works, you know, uh, restaurant A, restaurant B, and the buffet at the casino. Uh, he will always go. So there you, there you have it. Uh, but he, uh, he did just get earth, though, so. Oh, uh, I know. He's going to be buried, and he's going to really want to play it at, at the table. Oh, yeah. Uh, I passed on Earth, and I don't know if I regret it or not. It's it's big, and it's certainly the hotness, but I see it, and it looks good, but 
it also looks like something that I would play once and put on the shelf and possibly not pull out again. Did you do any deep digging into Earth? Watched a uh, like how to play video, did some research into the game because it was supposed to be the new like terraforming Mars, and you know how I am with that game. I, I do. Please tell me it wasn't the douchebag that does the watch it played videos that I absolutely hate. Oh, no, no, not that one. Okay, no, I, <laughs> no, I tend to avoid those. Uh, I got a I got a weird game game day coming up this weekend too. But what's 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 on tap? Uh, we're gonna play a game called Alice is Missing. Oh, oh! I, I know a little bit about Alice is Missing. I'm going to have you sit on that for a minute, though, because we're going to talk about the state of gaming at our tables on part two of the first segment. We got we got like a split segment, split personalities, only because part one is more wizard shit, and I don't know how much I could take it, so I want to talk about some sanity. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, so... We got to swallow our bitter medicine and talk about the wizard's crap, and then we will. Uh, then we can have some fun and talk about gaming. Yeah, so we'll sort of split the first segment into two thoughts: one uh, that we hold our nose and discuss the wizard stuff, and two uh, we'll talk about fun stuff like gaming. Hey, also, uh, you know, we did it at the top of the show, but shout out to all of our friends that are wearing the Sparkle Troll T-shirt on your associated streams. I really, really just get a chuckle and a kick out of seeing that little guy pop up on YouTube and knowing <laughs> that the Sparkle Trolls could possibly see it in their up next videos. So keep it coming. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Uh, again, you can buy a Sparkle Troll t-shirt at nerdcognito.com. Uh, loud and proud and right up front. Um, but... We do have some business to take care of uh, on the back end of the show. We have a guest dropping by. Uh, Jason Sandberg is is coming by Nerd Cognito this evening to talk about Jupiter. I don't know if you know about Jupiter, but he has a highly, highly already successful Kickstarter for an independent comic that is pretty good. Pretty pretty good pretty interesting too um so we're gonna very cool i don't think indie comic creators get enough credit because that's a you know that's a real labor of love there i say this with love to all of them because you know we we have our friends of the show that are indie comic creators immortal mm -hmm. i'm looking at you y'all are fucking crazy but we love you anyhow um it's it's it, it's a very special and unique creator type that uh, I, I couldn't do it. I absolutely couldn't do it. So my hat's off to that craziness. Um, right. I mean, you've got to be part writer, part artist, part hype man. Like comic creators are just a, a whole nother breed. It is, and and I love talking to them because each of them have their own little process. Uh, some of them don't want to, you know, give away the baby with the bathwater. Others won't shut up and just keep going and going and going and will tell you the whole deal because they know that telling a story of a comic book still is different than reading it. And that's one of the beautiful things that I love about comics is the experience of reading it. It's why I can't grip onto digital comics like some folks have. Uh, it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I mean, the, the, so there's something about, it just takes me back to my childhood, like holding, even a, even a trade uh, paperback is better than a digital comic for me. 
No, I I absolutely agree with you. You know, as I get older, I find myself doing more of this. I will buy like omnibus or or bound volumes of comics together, mm-hmm. just because I don't have time to hit the store every week for my subscription like I did back in the day. And uh, it's it's convenient and it's still tangible. It's still paper. I like it. Ah, uh, things that I like. And now we get to talk about. The Wizards of the Coast Community Update. All right. Hit me. What what, what did Wizards do now? Uh, uh, To be fair, Kyle was locked in a closet, apparently, all week, allegedly. Do not call law enforcement. Um, I hear he's safe, and he likes it in there, and they slide food under the the crack of the door every once in a while for him. Uh, There was no... 1892 hired henchmen that came out of the woodwork this week, and they did not try to extort their content creators this week. Well, directly. So, the update this week, the big news of the week from Wizards of the Coast, my favorite Watsy Nazis, is that one D&D did you hear that echo, Bert? Yeah. It's probably yeah. the last time you're going to hear it. Because we've walked it back and we're calling it fifth edition again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can't make this shit up. That there was so much hype about one D D. Wait see, it didn't work. One D one one D Fuck. The fun thing was pushing the reverb button when I said it, and now it's gone. Yeah, no. Watsy is very frequently repeating the fact that it is no longer 1D&D, which means we have to call it 1D&D 5th edition from now on, only without the the echo. Uh, They definitely are realizing that the branding atrocity that was one D and fuck. Well, they they're realizing it didn't work and that fifth edition has immensely higher high Q than one D and D. Um, that was like the biggie, right? Cause it kept showing up everywhere, left, right, center, it's fifth edition, fifth edition, fifth edition. We fucking get it, wizards. Everything that they do, it seems like they're like, oh, you don't like that? Oh, we won't do it then. Please like us. Please like us. It's <laughs> sort of like that sort of desperate person at this point. They've done like so many shady things and then walked them back. Like at this point, you're just like, is is this a is this a gag? Like, was are they going to move forward with anything? It's it's very true. You know, you know what's telling. When an audience is vanishing and evaporating, what age demographic then gets targeted when the core purchasing demographic starts to erode? The answer is kids, Bert. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, the uh, D&D was always... You know, at least from the time that we started, was always targeted sort of at, at, you know, sort of not that we were rebellious, but sort of that, you know, tween, teen 
age to start off with. You know, they were they, they would try to bring you in with sort of the cool excitement. I don't know. Right. I don't and know who they get with the new series, but we grew and it right. aged into third edition with us. Right. right. And then they tried fourth edition and that, well, we know what that is. And then fifth edition stayed in the younger adult demographic. Well, uh, they are upping the ante with their school and club support. Um, now I'm going to get some shit for this. I'm not going to drop names, but there is a prominent figure that likes to claim that they are in the OSR that pumps themselves up because they run a D&D club at their school. They're a teacher. And you know I know teachers pretty well, right? Right. I did it for 20 years. Um, I lost a lot of respect for this person because when wizards tipped their hand and finally showed their true colors... They kept right on going with their fifth edition campaign for the kids. All the while, Castles and Crusades was still releasing free content. Oh, but you know what? Next year, we're going to do Castles and Crusades. Fuck you. This is my problem with teachers in general. And I'm going to open this up with I'm biased because most teachers are miserable human beings. And I say this with love as a former teacher, which means I'm possibly a miserable human being. But that's certainly possible. I mean, when I was in school, I would have killed for a D&D club uh, or any gaming club like that, but nothing like that was offered at my school. But these days, there's so many you know, exciting gaming systems out there. Why would you limit yourself to just a D&D club when you could have, you know, a, a TTRPG club or, you know, something like that. My issue isn't that they're running D&D. My issue is that they prop themselves up as like a pillar of the OSR. Well, can't just talk the talk. You have to back your shit up. And your actions speak way louder than your words. Um, And it's not just this one individual. There are lots of teachers that, that... have hopped on the D&D bandwagon because it's a cool thing to do. But this one in particular just grinds me a little bit because you can't say one thing and then do another. Anyway, I digress. Wizards announced that they're going to continue and possibly expand their teaching kits and after-school club kits and give them free access to D&D Beyond because heaven forbid that a teacher wants their students to do something with a pencil and a fucking piece of paper. <laughs> <sighs> Breathe, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, Breathe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, piggybacking on that last thought, Bert, they announced a full court press to migrate D&D Beyond as the front door of Dungeons and Dragons. Eh. Hmm. So from, you know, it, it seems like they turn on a dime when it comes to this kind of stuff. First it was, you know, everything is going to be one D&D. Oh, there's no echo. Anyway, then then now it's going to be, you know, everything is going to be pulled into D&D Beyond. Like they're 
you know, they're pushing for that to be sort of the... Absolutely, because they can monetize microtransactions there. Hey, speaking of monetization, uh, they're going to create a third-party marketplace for D&D stuff that, uh, God willing, people wake up after the OGL thing and don't fucking produce content for these cretins. Um, there's going to be another creator summit because we know how well the last one went. <laughs> even, <laughs> even, even the Sparkle Troll journalists turned on them at the last creator summit. I mean, shit, Connie Chang, not, not our advocate, not our voice. The voice for they them was not complimentary of them at the last Creator Summit. So let's do it again. And they did pre-alpha tests of the virtual tabletop. Yay. Mm. I'm, I'm underwhelmed, Bert. I really am. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, building their own marketplace. So, you know, not only are they going after creators, but they're. it sounds like they're going after the... Uh, the third-party vendors too now like you you know is it, are they trying to like kill drive through and uh i i do believe that you hit the nail on the head we've always said that we need someone big and someone with bucks and corporate support to swoop in and provide a economic compet an economic competitor to drive through and God, if Wizards does it and can undercut drive through, drive through is going to be hurting. And, you know, we, we, we have our difference of opinions on some of the ethical things that drive through does. But I've said it before and I've said it in the past. There's really no other place to go. They're an affiliate for the show, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to buy something right. on drive through, click on our fucking link. Um, we appreciate it. Thank you. I'm 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 all I'm all pissed off, man. Let's not talk about wizards. I mean, I, I got nothing else to say. Like they've regurgitated some of the stuff. They're dropping the school curriculum piece, which of course got my attention because I lived that world for so long, all the way down to grade four. And um, they're using some very critical words that would possibly allow us to tiptoe into the political realm. So I will mm. just read directly from their statement. Um, we're building literacy. Okay, good, right? right reading yeah, reading is good. Great. Social emotional fluency. Uh, and I'm going to stop there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I got nothing. Uh, they've said, they've gone, they've gone around. Um, the big news is I can't use the cool echo thing anymore because it's just fifth edition and everything else is just a rehash outside of expanding their, their school support, which any teacher that has a shred of dignity would not use their materials. So I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about gaming. You were telling okay. me at the top, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta shift gears and I know it's abrupt and I know there was no pithy transition, but I'm I'm over it. I'm I'm really over it. You were you were talking at the top of the show that you have something going on with your gaming group. Our nerd cognito table just finished up with the quiet year, uh, right. so we really don't have a compass right now for what's going to hit the table when we play this week, uh, which means it's probably going to be a one shot or a board game. Uh, probably. Uh, but 
I don't I don't know. What what are you thinking? We'll talk about us, then we'll talk about them next. So, what do you feel like playing, Bert? Well, uh, you know me, I'm always up for anything, but I, you know, it'd be nice to get a board game to the table, you know, something that we haven't played before maybe. I know Dan's got some new stuff he wants to bring to the group. I've got It'll- some new stuff too. I mean, I'm perfectly willing to pull out DCC or first edition and and just go. I, I really am too at this point because I, I need a breath of role-playing fresh air. Um, I've been absent for one reason or another from uh, T-Shirted Historian's Scarlet Heroes campaign. So I haven't got to play, <laughs> so I, I, I'm willing to do that. And I have that lovely pre-generated dungeon that's ready to go. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I wouldn't mind playing a shorthanded campaign, even though I'd rather have one or two, two more folks, but we could recruit that in no time, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think that we could get one or two more people at the table to play for sure. As long as it's something, as long as it's something interesting. If I say I'm playing real D and D, circa 1979, uh, no problem. It's not that edition that has the problem getting players and dungeon masters. Um, <laughs> right. No, I don't. Although know. calculating Thaco is fun, like you know, it's it's just counting backwards. It, right. It, 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 it really is. Um, do I miss Thacko? Not so much, but it's not a deal breaker for me. No, I can do math too. Hey, I figured out um, that I am not using armor class in auras, I think. I think I'm just doing straight damage reduction. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Uh, almost like like resisting damage? Yeah, yeah. X is your damage reduction based on Y. And uh, I'm really leaning. I do have an armor class model. I I have a group currently playtesting the armor class model, and I have a group currently playtesting the damage reduction model. But I'm leaning towards um, not using armor class. I for for a couple of reasons. One, it's different, and two, I don't want to use that phrase. I don't want to use armor class uh, for obvious reasons, right? So, right. Um, no, I. I, I yeah, <laughs> I'm still all worked <laughs> up over this teacher thing, Bert. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, well, you, your group, your your other group. Uh, yeah, tell me well, about you it. know that you know that the uh, we we had that discussion about the the DM taking a step back, so we decided to you know do some one shots and things like that, sort of a palate cleanser before we jump into anything long term. So this uh, this upcoming weekend, we have somebody coming in. Uh, who's not in our usual gaming group, is a friend from out of town who's going to run Alice is Missing for everybody. I like Alice is Missing. Tell Have you played it? Tell I've played it online, and I know what you're going to say. <laughs> but you hate online games, I, I right? do, but online gaming is better than no gaming at all. <laughs> tell everybody the short version. What is Alice is Missing? Sure, it's a, it's a role-playing game, but it takes place... In silence, it's about the disappearance of a high school student, and the game is played, um, you know, without any verbal communication. You know, we you send uh, text messages back and forth to other characters, group chat, individual character interactions. Like, so it's all done. Like, even though you you're in the same room, 
you're not talking to each other for the entire game, which was an interesting concept to me. Wizards of the Coast would love it for their virtual tabletop. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, go go ahead. Um, So, I mean, it's supposed to be like, you know, emotional and a dramatic mystery and things like that. And that's kind of rare to find. And I see why they did it kind of the way they did, because people who are willing to role play those sort of high drama scenes, not you don't normally find a lot of people like that at the same table. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I haven't played it before. This is my first time. I just know the basics, but I know it's supposed to be, you know, high drama, um, you know, uh, tense, t- uh, tense sort of mystery role playing game. And that's always interesting because there aren't a lot of those out there. I've played it twice, and both okay, both okay. occasions were online. So take that for what it's worth. You are you know reading mm-hmm. faces on a screen in addition to private DMs, right? Um, right. Didn't dig it. It didn't have the feel for me, and here's why: you have to have the drama club at the table for this game to be effective. Not a problem for me because I tend to 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 be able to portray different emotions like fucking teachers. Um, but it doesn't fit the mold for the median mark of what we would call a hobby gamer. And right. the groups were vastly different both times. But each of those groups had one or two people that couldn't or wouldn't commit to the style that the game demands, and it just made it fall flat. See, for me, I'm not in. You know, I'm not a voice actor. I'm not in the drama club. I'm. You know, it, it's easier for me to write in that style than it is for me to just act out a scene in that type yeah, of Yeah, but that's only so. half of the game, too. You still have nonverbal cues that are critical for that game. They they, they, they were missing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you'll have to check in real quick next week and, and tell us how it went, because I'm curious, right? It might okay. just be that I you know, drew the short stick twice. Um, there's a lot of defective human beings out there. That's not news to anybody, but no. you're going to have to f- certainly, you know, double back and let us know how your session went. And cause I'm okay. curious to see if my experience was unique or not. <sighs> hey, I'm looking forward to the news because I still have high blood pressure from talking about the fucking taker. What's in the news this week, Ryan? Oh, boy. Change of subject. <laughs> we got a bunch. Uh, we'll shift gears from Wizards to an organization that you know I think is light years different. <laughs> uh, Paizo has licensed out Pathfinder. Okay. To take a piece of Diablo's pie. Um, Pathfinder is striking out and creating an action RPG. It's called Pathfinder Abomination Vaults. And it is a. Action RPG. You're talking about. This is a video game? Yeah. Yeah. It is a, you know, clickety click, click, click and kill. 
A group of heroes enters the mysterious Gauntlet Lighthouse, only to discover a sprawling complex of caverns beneath. In the first part of Abomination Vaults, uh, you just explore the first few levels, and then you get deeper and deeper and deeper following the, the setting provided by Pathfinder. So it is 110% Diablo hosed down in Pathfinder juice. Well, I mean, you liked Diablo. I did. I did. And you know what? There was um, there was a EverQuest uh, Diablo clone that came out in the mid to late, I don't know when it was, 2000s. I remember Dan and I, would he would come over after work and we would sit around and play it on, on the PS2 back in the day. Um, and mm. it, it was it was a fun little time for what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, you loved it when D&D made video games that were interesting like that. I did. I'm talking way back. I, I, I'm not shitting on the game. I'm just, you know, I'm taking a little piss on Pathfinder and Paizo just because they're Paizo. But um, we'll see. There's a trailer that's out. It's, it's exactly what you would expect for a hack and slash. Uh, the only hmm. confirmed platform right now is Steam. But Paizo okay. has traditionally brought its RPGs to consoles in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised to to see that go out the console route as well. You know, Diablo 4 is just around the corner. So I was not blown away by Diablo 4 uh, in, in the open beta. <sighs> yeah, I haven't been blown away by Diablo since Diablo 2. So we'll see. I'm, I'm certainly willing to give it a shot. Uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, the art's will, good, right? Pathfinder art's cool. <laughs> I'll be interested to see, you know, how it shakes out. As somebody who's played quite a bit of Pathfinder, you know, the, it'll be interesting to see sort of how they work those mechanics in. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we talk about this entirely too often, but Hollywood is going to remake a beloved classic, Bert. Oh, no. What oh, now? yes. Logan's Run is going to get the 2020-something treatment. I weep. How? <laughs> I mean, that story was such a product of its time. How can you... You can't. You, just plain and simple, you can't. Uh, sure, they're going to have a gender swap. Um, that's already on the books unofficially. But you just can't. Logan's run was beautiful and appropriate for the time. You know, it, right, it right. had I mean, 70s were... sci-fi. It had tits. It had all of the things that the nerds that were going to watch Logan's Run wanted to see. Not to mention, it had a pretty decent existential storyline. Right. There was that sne there was sneaky social commentary in there and stuff like that. And I don't know that you could do that in a reboot. No, especially now, because the social commentary is going to all be right up front for you to have a big old sniff and say, I ain't even going to go see this movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Logan's Run is a classic for a reason. It's, you know, it's almost like a time capsule going back to the 70s. I don't know how you can modernize it and still 
make a decent movie out of it. <sighs> I don't know. The original was shot on an $8 million budget. And it netted $25 million. That's a drop in the pan today. $25 million adjusted for inflation means that it brought in about $220 million by today's standards. So it was not a success in the box office, even for Warner Brothers back in 76. And it was one of the biggest sci-fi films of that era until a certain War in the Stars was launched by Mr. Lucas. Right. I mean, I remember seeing Logan's run like I watched it as a kid and I didn't understand it very well. <laughs> <Boobs>. But then, <laughs> That's but then I as, I, <laughs> as I got older, like it got more and more interesting. Like I would definitely put it on my list of, you know, sci-fi films to watch. Yeah, for sure. I just rewatched it. And again, you know, I mean, easy on the eyes and boobs. But besides that, it is a very cerebral approach that had subtlety. And right. that subtlety is absolutely going to be lost. <sighs> I mean, what are they going to do with Carousel? <laughs> <laughs> hey, our uh, licensing whore friends at Modifius have licensed another property that they're going to turn into a role-playing game that I might actually buy this one. Okay. Just because the source material is respectfully irreverent and that is the star trek's lower decks role-playing game so you want to play the star trek cartoon tabletop role-playing game that is correct um hmm it, 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 they've officially licensed star trek to lower decks through modifius uh it is content that is going to go through their star trek adventures line of role-playing games uh I am all about checking out this, quote, expansion pack. And this is where they got me, right? Because I never bought the hardcover book for Star Trek Adventures. Right. I, I have the PDF. With lower decks, and especially if I strong arm you guys to play it, I'll have to get both. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, I've been looking at one of their properties recently myself. Um, now that we've played The Quiet Year... Like that dovetails really nicely into a world set up for the Fallout role playing game. Yes, please. I will play it, and you have your starting city already. Right. I mean, like, like I said, the the we we did the Quiet Year. Like I was thinking about getting the Fallout role playing game source book, and you know that would be a great jumping off point. Could you like, have it in time for gaming this week? Mm, I don't know. I'd have to check the Amazon and see what the shipping's like. I, I think. Uh... I, I think we might have just solved our quandary from segment one. Uh, I'm I'm totally on board. Dan will play anything. Uh, the albino doesn't care if she even shows up. And, um, you know, L is out of commission. So we can run Fallout with a smaller party and it would, and it would fit better. Uh, and I think everybody is at least tangentially familiar with the Modifius system. So, we'll see. Yeah, I would very, uh, very much like to do it. I just thought it would be really interesting, you know. No, oh, if if you're willing to do it, a, I won't have to GM. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and B, it dovetails in nicely because we just ran the Quiet Year. So right now, some of the 
ridiculousness and abstract things, you know, like Son of Jay are going to have to go. Right, right. But nobody knows what we're talking about right now, so why the fuck would I bring that up? <laughs> you know what everybody does know? Ice cream. Everybody knows ice cream, Bert. Everybody knows ice cream. Everybody loves ice cream. Oh, not there's not always love for ice cream. I've got a giant list. You know we love lists. I've got a list of ice cream treats. Now we we've talked about ice cream treats before in the past, only because our beloved Choco Taco has been resurrected and killed more times than I want to admit. Yeah, it's gone, it's back, it's gone again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there is now a list of the best and the worst ice cream treats. Uh, What do you want to do, the good or the bad first? Let's do the worst. I'm curious about that, because even bad ice cream is good sometimes. So bottom five, and you may not agree with this, because I certainly disagree with with, with some of the entries in the bottom five. Um, number five, push-ups. And I totally disagree with this, because I freaking love push-ups, man. I mean, yeah, sherbet on a stick. Sherbet in a tube. No stick. You know, I, I have oh, this yeah, mental thing about an, uh, about ice cream sticks. No, I, I, I don't think it's bad. I, I like push-ups. It's, and it's the sherbet that they use in push, push-ups. It's, it's, it's got this velvety texture. I, I totally disagree. Get fucked, guys. You're wrong right off the bat. Uh, number four, bubblegum swirl popsicles. Okay. I take back everything I just said. <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty rough. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, number three, Fun Pops. Is it the bottom? of the, These are the worst? Fun Pops. It's Kool-Aid in a plastic sleeve. Oh, those, okay. I, I'm starting to think, you know, just your generic freezer pop. I'm starting to think that the the person or persons that put together this list just really don't like pushing frozen material against gravity. You know? <laughs> Push-ups, fun pops. Uh, what's next? Number two, the snow cone. The snow cone. The snow cone? The snow cone. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's flavored water, but... I don't know if you've ever had a traditional South Jersey... Look, it came out. Did you hear it? South Jersey water ice. You know that a snow cone can be delicious and good. Number one is a tie for the worst. And that is the screwball... Do you remember the screwball? I don't think they still make screwball. Oh, it does. It, the screwball dates back to the 1970s and comes in cherry and blue raspberry flavors. The screwball, Bert, was effectively a slush with two gumballs lodged in the bottom of them. I remember those. They, it was almost like an Italian ice type consistency. Like, I used to love screwballs as a kid. See, these people are wrong. And. and the, the, oh, second... the first thing I got from the ice cream truck in my area <laughs> was a screwball. Like, the cherry screwball was, like, my go-to. Yeah, 
I don't know. These these people are are, are ridiculous fucks. Uh, number one, I don't disagree with. It's the scribbler. Oh no 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 uh, no popsicle uh, popsicle crayons for me. Thanks. Yes, it is a popsicle crayon. Our generation is now parents or aunts and uncles. <laughs> we know the terror that a popsicle crayon could inspire. Um, I don't know. That was kind of a hit or miss for the bottom of the list, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but that was, uh, like I said, even bad ice cream is good sometimes. Yeah. And the ones that they consider the worst are some of the things I remember from my kid, from being a kid. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, let's go to the top. The best, uh, starting with the uh, firecracker or Great American Bomb Pop. I mean, traditional. Uh, it is traditional, but I was never a huge fan of Bomb Pops. The little dude likes Bomb Pops. The little, the little dude does. Number four is the drumstick. Everybody likes the drumstick except for me because I don't like the nuts. Oh, see, I, I love drumsticks. Drumstick all day. Number three, good old ice cream sandwich. Okay. Now, now, I mean, it's a classic. Have you had ice cream sandwiches lately, Bert? Yeah, I, uh, I had one a few weeks ago. Okay. Am I getting old and just misremembering the past, or are they incredibly tiny now? Actually, there are. It depends on the brand. There are smaller and larger sizes for them. They're doing the same thing with like drumsticks and things like that. You can get mini drums and things like that. No, no, that no, are, no, no. Uh, uh, not branded. Just a regular, you know, 10 pack of ice cream sandwiches. There's a lot less ice cream sandwich there. I remember them, <laughs> those motherfuckers being really big and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a kid, every we remember everything. Uh, really big, but no, they're not big. Cause I like, I can eat a whole box of ice cream sandwiches. I'm, I'm, I'm a fat man and I'm not ashamed to admit that I can crush some ice cream sandwiches. Uh, and then you got to lick the chocolate off your fingers. And then if you're one of the gross kids, you also peel, scrape the chocolate off of the wrapper. But I, I never did the wrapper because the wrapper was sticky. And I was priss. <laughs> Number two, good old chip witch. I would agree with that. That's yeah, a, a classic. I mean, chocolate chip cookie sandwich? Yeah, absolutely. And if you go to an upscale gelato place or a bakery that has ice cream and they make their own chip witches, holy fuck. Holy fuck. Is that good? And the number one, top of the list, the best ice cream treats, the novelty of all novelties, all hail. The Choco Taco. Which doesn't exist anymore. Which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I could go for a Choco Taco. That, my friend, is our news. Well, you know, Bert, I figure there's worse ways that we can end the news than sugary frozen deliciousness, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, not all of those would have been my first choice, but... Oh, wait, you, you know, don't want a scribbler? It, it just sounds so appetizing. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, yeah. Edible crayons are right up my alley. Oh, uh, you know who doesn't eat his crayons? <laughs> Jason Sandberg is, is joining us tonight. Uh, he is the author of Jupiter, which is actually a reboot of the 90s comic book, which is currently on both Indiegogo and Kickstarter. 
and uh, holy crap, Bert. Like, it just launched. There's still like two weeks plus left on it, and he's already at a thousand percent of his goal. So, um, nice. yeah, I, I sent you some stuff. You, I hope you had a chance to take a look at it. Uh, Jason, welcome to Nerd Cognito. Hey, thanks for having me on. Now I'm all hungry. I got to go get some ice cream now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can you can get one of those scribblers and do the next. That would be, yeah, you the, know. The scribbler, the scribbler was every parent's nightmare. I don't know how that got through R&D at the, at the ice cream factory because there's no parent wants that in the house. Someone at Popsicle thought that that was great. That's I, I believe it was an actual Popsicle brand Popsicle. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm on a couple of video live streams as well uh, as as Nerd Cognito, my home base here. Uh, I think if you do a video live stream next time, we need to find a scribbler or scribbler knockoff product, and you should do a panel with a scribbler live. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Then we can sell it as a stretch goal. Sounds good. Uh, there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> the, the the least anticipated stretch goal ever. And anyway, <laughs> you've got Jupiter going on. Yeah. And it's going pretty well, my friend. Um, yeah, we, tell we, everybody about it. Yeah, so we, um, I'm, I'm happy to break the news that uh, we've cracked uh, five the $5,000 stretch goal. Currently, the campaign, uh, as we record, is headed towards uh, 5300 and um, next week I'll be kind of announcing a the next stretch goal. There's about two and a half, three weeks left on Indiegogo, and then over a month left on Kickstarter. So depending on which which platform you prefer, uh, it's available Indiegogo or Kickstarter. And Jupiter is 40 pages full color for a nine for ten dollars. So I'm I'm basically setting this very low price point for 40 pages full color because I want to uh, introduce myself to people, reintroduce myself to people. So I'm trying to make it as accessible as possible. And there's a lot of talk about how uh, manga is is so competitively priced. Uh, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a indie comic book more um, competitively priced than Jupiter. And I'm excited to get it out in people's hands. And I'm gratified by by the response and uh, look forward to people eventually reading it. Yeah, I think the price point and the quality that's that's just apparent in the stuff you. that you've put out there already just really speaks to the, the overall success of of Jupiter so far. And, you know, it's it's not even done yet. Uh, for those that are listening that have no clue what the hell Jupiter is, uh, give them the dime store tour. What What's Jupiter and why should they pony up 10 bucks? Yeah, so Jupiter's my my comic book. I am the writer, artist, illustrator, colorist, letterer. Uh, I do everything, including the typos. No, I'm just kidding. There's no typos. <laughs> I, I do I do everything. I even did the animation in the trailer, so I'm, I'm a one-man band. Um, but but Jupiter is um, it's very independent. There's no there's no corporate mandates coming down to me. I can do. I've got 40 pages to fill to fill out as I see fit, and I'm I'm hell bent on giving you the best possible quality and the most interesting read I can manage and fashion, and I want to be able to share it with you with with everybody. So the basic premise is that uh, Jupiter takes place in a world like ours where there's no superheroes. There's superheroes inside of comic books, but there's no superheroes running around everywhere. And that's a problem with current Marvel and DC. It's like, take your superhero to work day. They're everywhere. They're, they're not special. There's too many of them. Like literally there's too many heroes in Marvel and DC comics. So to set the stage in Jupiter, there's no superheroes except for the ones in comic books. And it centers around this young lady named Brenda. Um, she is a bright uh, teenager. Um, she wants to run away from 
home, not out of neglect, not out of uh, abuse at home, but just this eternal sadness that's, that's smothering her family. And uh, you find the family on a, a road trip to a cabin. They are going up at a cabin to reset their lives, um, kind of clear out the cobwebs in their heads, kind of get a fresh start. And on that trip, um, a hole in reality rips open. And a revolution in a neighboring dimension, a civil war, uh, spills into, in, into that world. And suddenly that trigger event creates um, the opportunity for magic, for, um, for uh, monsters and, and mayhem to enter this, uh, this nominally normal world, right? So this is, the, this is her the flashpoint to beginning her uh, heroic journey to become a superhero. As a consequence of what happens in this first issue, she's going to have the ability to open these portals so she can suddenly run away. She could never have to go back to school. She could get away from her family. She could never have to get a day job, never have to grow up, right? She could go anywhere she wants to and do as she pleases. But she's torn, torn between fight or flight. Does she run away or does she stay and fight? Because as a consequence of what happens in this first issue, more nemesis, more adversaries begin to spill through these holes in reality. And she has to become basically her world's first and only superhero. So on top of on top of uh, beautiful art and on top of some some uh, some good jokes and stuff like that, um, I'm giving you the opportunity to get in on a ground floor of a superhero's heroic journey that's not already cluttered and and overstuffed with uh, with with superheroes. And, and, and you know, I think that uh, the original rip in the sort of dimensions and space and time, or some of the promo shots or promo art that you you've already released, and it, it looks really good. I think it's really interesting to to bring in, I guess, at the ground level. You know, this is a, for lack of a better term, normal world, and she's not only going to have the internal struggle that she has, but she's going to have the struggle of having a lot of firsts and deciding on the direction of a lot of firsts for for this particular universe. So, I I, I really think that it's it's well thought out and a great great premise it's got a lot of legs um what's what's the future look like long term perfect situation um how far does jupiter potentially go i have uh, 20 issues um uh through through a second oh. second revision of the scripting right so i've got 400 pages here now as i as i work on the second issue and so forth i've got the luxury of saying you know i've got 40 pages i want to pull a few pages from issue three into issue two to kind of make it more co more coherent i can i can i can flush it out i, I can uh, i can um uh, flush it out differently but i've got i've got guardrails i've got a good story arc a great um a great status quo that i'm going to establish at the end of, at, at the end of this series that can that can uh, go on into the future but i'm not doing a jar jar abrams where i'm starting out strong and i've got all these flashy like ideas but they don't go anywhere right so i've got a plan in mind and th this these these 20 issues may end up being uh 13 14 issues once i kind of get everything condensed down and so forth but um but it, this is going to become an ongoing series and it, it has a it, it and the stakes are going to continue to rise as the series goes on the, the stakes get bigger and bigger the threats get bigger and bigger and um and i want people to, to uh, hop on this the, the, hop on this ride because it's going to be a roller coaster that's that's awesome man uh, it really does it does sound great bert did you did you look at this this art it, it it's definitely not your typical marvel comic book no no i was just looking for a place to jump in ryan you were uh 
kind of just talking away, so I didn't know where to start with uh, <laughs> Shut up. Because I, I, I have a, I have a few questions too. Because it looks like, I mean, first of all, uh, kudos to you on a comic book with a strong sci-fi theme. We don't see too many of those anymore. Like it's all heroes and villains, like you know, world domination and bank robberies, and not you know, real sci-fi stories. Mm-hmm. So from the promo materials, it looks like this has a strong sci-fi element. But it, the art style, it looks like you're combining sort of like modern clean lines with things that I would have expected to see in like Silver Age comics. Like some of this stuff looks like it's right from like it could be from like Adam Strange or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So the you know the world of Jupiter, um, the main story is drawn in, like you said, a modern style with a full color palette. But there's no superheroes in that world except for the ones in the comic books. So periodically the, the characters in the comic book will read the comic book within the comic book. And that's where I get the opportunity to stretch my legs and kind of draw like Jack Kirby. And I color it in a, um, in the bronze age Marvel 64 color palette. So you get that, that effect of the dots and the paper to kind of create that, that diegetic experience of the comic book within a comic book. And, and while I have fun doing those little um, three or four page um, sections that are drawn like Jack Kirby, they serve a purpose. And the purpose is that if you're, if you suddenly gain new powers, it's not a logical conclusion to put on a costume and become a superhero, right? It's probably the, the last thing you would do if you, because right. you could suddenly rip, open up holes in reality and so forth. <laughs> and so, what happens is, as as this, this comic book within the comic book is a bit of a, a north star for for the character and and her supporting characters, whereas they sequentially go through. Um, going from self-defense to defending others and so forth, they 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 are referring back to these uh, comic books that were created by My World's Jack Kirby, and they serve they serve as an inspiration and as stepping stones for her heroic journey. So I get I get the advantage of doing a modern story with modern art, and then I get to uh, scratch that itch of uh, drawing like the Silver Age, Bronze Age uh, that we all love. No, it's it's spectacular, and it it is it's interesting. It is like a barometer for Brenda, the character in the in the comic, because who would really know what the hell to do besides to turn to a comic? I mean, I would turn into a villain if I magically <laughs> had super vil- super yeah, Ryan, powers. Ryan would open a portal to the nearest bank vault and <laughs> be on his way. <laughs> oh, I'm better than robbing a bank. That's what the minions are for, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's. It's really a thoughtful uh, sort of diversion, right? And we get to see some of the brilliance. And, you, you know, you said it. The first thing that jumped into my mind when I saw some of those throwback panels was was Kirby. Uh, so it, it's a stark contrast because you have the two different art styles, but they serve so uh, defined of a purpose. It, it really it really does make sense. It serves, so, it serves the storytelling. Yeah, so about two weeks left on the Indiegogo, a little bit longer on that Kickstarter. Um, you're, man, you're, like I said, you're blowing it away, and we can see why. Stretch goals have to be talked about because you're already there. Uh, what's in the bag already, and what's coming up? So, everybody who backs. Give us a little exclusive. 
Yeah, that's right. Everybody who backs is going to get a Captain Clam Bottle fan club membership card. Now, this is a 24-point PVC <laughs> um, card that's that's a, a mock-up memento of for Captain Clam Bottle, which is the Jack Kirby character that's kind of the comic book within the comic book. And it's it's um, it, it's it's wonderful. It's it, the fan club sponsored by a pie company. The dates on the fan club membership card run backward in time because he's a time traveler. And on the back of the uh, membership card, it's got a schematic of his rocket ship. So just a fun little memento, like something somebody somebody something somebody would have had um, back in the '70s or '80s when 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 these these series were running in that in that world. Now the next stretch goal is going to be an eight thousand dollars stretch goal, and the stretch goal applies to um, cumulatively the total the total raised by the Indiegogo and the Kickstarter. The eighth is going to be an eight thousand dollars stretch goal. It's going to be um, revealed later this week, so you're getting a bit of a scoop here. It is going to be an authentic, sanctioned Legion of Memers official license to meme. So yes, I have partnered with the Legion of Memers, <laughs> and we have fashioned together a card that's going to be PVC laminated, and it's going to basically be if you hold it, you. You have a license to meme. So if there's a meme checkpoint, if the meme police come along, if the federal government tries to arrest you for making a meme about the, about Hillary Clinton, you can just flash this little uh, license to meme and say, "Listen, I'm sanctioned by the official Legion of Memers. Get out of my way. I'm a free person." That is official, folks. You can you can get it, carry it, and know that you don't have to take any shit if someone exactly. <laughs> disputes your meme. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, don't care, I don't care what they do in China. I don't care what they do in Russia. This is America. We've got the right to make fun of people in authority. Jason, any last thoughts that you want everybody to know about Jupiter? Please, please go check out the campaign, Indiegogo or, or Kickstarter, and watch the trailer. I had a wonderful time doing the animation of the trailer. The artwork in the trailer, it's from the book. So if, if you get a kick out of the trailer, you'll love the book. And I can't wait to uh, to share this with people. And um, please go check it out. No, absolutely. I think everybody is going to, without a doubt, go check it out. Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Links are in the show notes, folks. Uh, give it a click. At Ten bucks, man. Ten bucks. And we know the state of mainstream comics right now. It's not pretty. So, like we always say, we have to support the folks that are doing something meaningful in the different hobbies. And the best way that you can do it is by opening up that wallet. I, Ten bucks for a comic book that is a as as Jason said, a one man show that just looks spectacular. It's an interesting, really interesting premise, and it's got all of those extra little bonuses. And hey, who knows? Maybe uh, once once this thing goes gold, uh, Jace, you can ship us a copy and we'll give it away to one of our fans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, give me um, your address. Yeah, well, we'll we'll talk when we get off the air. And right, there are so few new ideas out there. Reward them when they come up, people. Otherwise, all we're going to get is more reboots. <laughs> Don't say Absolutely. that, Bert. <laughs> uh, you're hearkening back to the news yet again. Well, Jason, thanks for stopping by this week on Nerd Cognito. We certainly appreciate it. We want to get as many eyeballs on Jupiter as possible especially like i said earlier with the legs that this thing has the potential to just run and run and run if you want to be in on the ground floor of a new and innovative comic series this is the one that you want to get into so check it out jason sandberg thanks again for stopping by to nerd cognito jason thank you i'm gonna go get some ice cream <laughs> <laughs> have a good night my friend Jason is a very, very excited man about his comic, and he has every right to be, Bert. 
Oh yeah, I don't disagree. He's got a lot of energy, uh, and it's nice to see somebody passionate about you know their labors of love. You know. No, I I absolutely endorse, and I I would hope that every creator is passionate about the things that they do. Hey, you you know who else is passionate? Our checkmark hero. Our checkmark hero is always passionate. Wonderful friend of the show. Hey, Doc Jones, what's up? Uh, Doc is our checkmark hero of the month of May. Uh, you can check him out. Follow D J O N E Z 73. D J O N E Z 73. Doc is a great fan of the show. Always count on Doc for interesting opinions and great conversation on Twitter. Plus, he gave us eight bucks and he's sponsoring the check mark this month. So, Doc, this one's for you. You too can be a check mark hero. Just head your little hiney over to nerdcognito.com and click on Checkmark Hero at the top of the page. So, hey, two destinations for, for nerdcognito.com this week, Bert. You can get your Sparkle Troll t-shirt, print on demand, and you can be the Checkmark Hero. Uh, it's a good, two good reasons to go. Um, we also hope that at your podcast provider of your choice you go in and click that little button that says subscribe you probably already have and if you have we thank you if you've already done that hey drop us a, a, a five-star review but if you haven't make sure that you hit that subscribe button and tell your friends share with your friends send them a link to the goddamn show let them know that the show exists uh can't do it without you and your support and we are humbled by the support and camaraderie that you show us. So make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss a single episode. Boy, fast-paced show. We've talked about a lot of stuff. We've talked about the fucking teachers and Wizards of the Coast. And um, then we talked about our table. And we had Jason swing by at the end to... Uh, share some stuff about Jupiter and we got a scoop Bert we got the the next stretch goal before the next stretch goal was announced so I feel special you're quiet <laughs> I thought I was gonna sneeze there sorry about that oh no, that's all right mean to uh did not mean to fade out on you there I just was trying not to sneeze into the microphone I was like yeah uh, am I dying no. am I having a stroke <laughs> No, you're not dying. You're not having a stroke. But it is interesting, you know, the, the stretch goals and things like that. I mean, it seems like he's got a lot of fun ideas. I hope that he, you know, hits that 8,000 mark. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was sort of just tongue-in-cheek saying, hey, send us a copy to send out to the fans. But uh, if he does that, we'll definitely uh, talk about it and let you know how you can get into running for that copy. So, because um, he, he was like, yeah, sure, Uh uh, hit me up and I'll let you know. Um, I sure will. <laughs> Anything we can do for uh, the folks that support us, we absolutely can. Well, Definitely. That's, that's going to bring us to a close this week. We've got a lot of stuff, a lot of randomness, a little bit of anger. Come to fucking teachers! And a little bit of wizards. And Man, it's, it's, it's been a week's worth already, Bert. So I think it's time that... Uh, that we wrap it up. Anything that you want to put out there before we say adieu? 
No, I don't think so. All right, then. Yeah, you know the drill. Um, if you're not already following at NerdCognito on the Twitter machine, make sure that you do. You can get a preview of all the stuff that we talk about right there. And reminders about things like, hey, the Sparkle Troll t-shirts and Checkmark Heroes and, hey, did you listen to this week's show? All that good stuff at NerdCognito. And get all of the news you can use. You can also drop me a follow at I Hate Ryan David on Twitter. I certainly appreciate it. If you want to talk direct with me, uh, that's the best way to do it. Um, but that's all we got for this week. So we will wish you the best as you mosey through this little nerdosphere that we call life. And we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>